Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Glass Ceiling Podcast from Startup Daily. My name is Gina Baldessari, and my guest this week is Maria Hallas. She is the CEO of the ASX-listed life sciences and biotech company, Selmid. She has a fascinating background. She originally started in the sciences, working in executive positions in biotechnology firms before moving to corporate finance and managing investment funds. She then joined Selmid in 2007, and since her appointment, she has led a capital restructure, attracted a new international board of directors, and built a diverse portfolio of assets. We sat down for a chat about Maria's career, what it's like running a biotech company, and how attitudes to women in the corporate world have changed over her time in business. Have a listen. Maria, thanks so much for joining me. I was very excited to speak to you because you have had quite an interesting career. So the interesting thing is that I just gone through that process yesterday of really thinking through my path mm-hmm. because I, um, I was nominated by one of our shareholders. We're a public company, a stock exchange listed company, and one of our shareholders um, nominated me for the 100 uh, Women of Influence Award mm-hmm. by the AFR. And um, he nominated me for a particular way I manage uh, research and development in a company. And that it's very collaborative and very mm-hmm. global because we've got, in our little group of scientists, we've got, you know, 70 scientists from 13 countries that we work with. And they're really all very self-motivated. And mm-hmm. I built that community over eight years mm-hmm. by really just opening up the opportunity of sharing information and sharing data between scientists so we can all publish more and we know more. So ultimately, we want to make sure that we develop these fabulous new solutions for debilitating diseases. So he nominated me because of that. Mm -hmm. So I sat down and I said to my friends, oh, I've been nominated, which is ridiculous. I'm just doing my job. Mm -hmm. They said, no, 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 you really have to do the entry. And the entry is quite thought-provoking because firstly, you have to write 500 words about yourself, about your project that you're nominated for and then 500 words about your path your biography if you like and so yesterday that's what I did and I really thought through of my path and how I got here and so I am Hungarian mm-hmm. and I studied medicine in Hungary and when I was 19 I ran away from home and came to Australia but nothing in country Hungary in the 70s could have prepared me for a life here in Australia of course and I went to university and studied um, uh, biological sciences, and I ended up uh, having a science degree. And then I did an MBA. And in fact, my first job was in a biotechnology company um, as a business analyst, running preclinical studies in universities. So that's kind of where it started. And I spent four years really uh, building a R&D portfolio for this company and then I was headhunted by an investment firm and then spent the subsequent eight years in, in, in the investment markets. So that's kind of gave me, that's given me a really strong background and really understanding of the investments, the business and the science kind of. Um, and then I, um, in 2007, I decided to take a break and write a book. And within the first three weeks, I got approached by a number of biotechnology companies to, to run them. And so I took the job in one of them and 
I've been there since 2007, so that's the last 11 years. Here I am. What got you interested after you did your science degree? What got you interested in the more of the business side of science? So I always, I always, even medicine, when I got interested in medicine, I was interested in helping people with solutions uh, for diseases that are debilitating and, you know, and at that point in time, cancer is becoming a real focal point of drug development. So I, I always was interested in that, and but I didn't want to be a doctor. And then I studied science and I thought maybe I'd become a geneticist and, you know, I can really go to the core of the diseases. But then I realized I couldn't stay in a lab. I also realized that to bring innovative medical solutions to problems, you need a lot of money. And so this is why I, I my first job taught me that. Um, and it was in a biotechnology company where I realized that half of the things is really biology, but the other half is money and really learning how to fund these programs is the key to actually delivering them in the clinic. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really interesting point because you can be so passionate about you know the, the medicine and helping people but can't do that without money. And lots of people don't realize that and they don't have the skills for that. Exactly, and, and that ultimately it is a business. It's a very exciting, very rewarding business but it's still um, business and you really need to understand the fundamentals. Having said that, I think scientific training sets you up really well in business. Um, it's a very rigorous thought process you have to go through. You have to, have to analyze, you have to rationalize, and you have to make sure that you've got strong supporting evidence for going in a certain way. And I think that's really important in business as well. And what led you, after your four years with the, the biotech company, to then say yes to an investment bank? Well, I, uh, it was in Perth. I lived in Perth, and uh, my boyfriend at the time, who became my husband eventually, um, got a job in Sydney. And uh, it just was so fortuitous that, um, you know, the investment bank was based in Sydney. And I also thought it's a really interesting opportunity because instead of going for money, I can suddenly allocate money to really, really strong technologies. So it's, it's kind of, uh, was a very attractive um, proposition for me. Also, we, they, in, they had hunted me for a specific program, which is actually in industrial biotechnology. So um, that was also exciting to work on, on something really big with collaborative partners from academia, industry, and, and uh, finance sector. What is industrial biotechnology? So industrial biotechnology is ethanol production, uh, beer brewing, winemaking. <laughs> That's all industrial biotechnology or agricultural biotechnology. You mentioned that then you took some time off to write a book eventually. What was the process of writing a book like and what did you want to explore? So I did take time or I wanted to take time, but I spent in total about six weeks writing a book. That was all. And I got to as far as I really wanted to write stories, individual stories about my experience and translate it. But people ask me, what was the title? What, what is the title? I mean, it still exists and I add, add stories to it every now and again. I don't even have a title. It's really a, um, um, a biography inspired, um, you know, collection of stories, almost like little lessons that are, are very experiential. And then, of course, you came to Selmid. How would you explain what the company does if you were pitching it to someone? So Selmid is a life sciences company. 
we have three wholly owned subsidiaries with three operations. Two of those operations are traditional biotechnology firms, and they develop drugs for diseases. Our first subsidiary, Liramid, develops diseases for cancer and inflammatory conditions. The second subsidiary, Kinera, is a heart disease. Uh, focused. And our third subsidiary is a consumer company. So uh, this was originally a biotechnology company that actually developed a product that became a consumer product. And today, we really are focused on the market with that company. So it's quite, uh, uh, we've got multiple operations, if you like, within the life sciences sector. And what attracted you to Selmid? So Selmid in 2007 was called Medical Therapies. It was a very different company. Uh, the technology that they had at the time within the company failed. So my first job was actually to communicate to the, to the capital markets that the, the technology actually failed. Uh, the second job was to restructure the company and acquire new asset portfolio. So today we've got two big asset portfolios, the biotechnology and the consumer health, and I actually acquired both of those. The first one in 2008, almost a year to the date I started with the company, and the second one in 2013. I feel like some people looking at that job of the first thing you have to do is communicate the failure of something, as it could be like, what a great challenge, and other people would be really daunted by it. What made you want to take on that job? Uh, quite frankly, I thought that I can make a difference. And because the, you know, sometimes when you are very close to a problem, you can't see it. And it was evident to me that uh, management and board just couldn't see it exactly because they were too close to the problem. But I could see how I can make a difference by really communicating the failure and restructuring the business. And I could see a path where shareholders, and at that time there were about 1,500 shareholders, could benefit from. And so that, to me, was very challenging and attractive. You mentioned, of course, that you then had to see to identifying new opportunities for the business. What was that process like, and you know, how do you go about it? So um, what I've done is really use my contacts in biotechnology. And um, in my role in uh, my first company, the biotechnology company, I had um, developed quite a lot of contacts internationally and in Australia. So I basically identified uh, companies that could potentially be acquisition targets, technologies from research institutes, and we looked through something in the order of 40 programs in three, four countries, uh, US, Germany, Japan, and Australia, and we've been able to identify three that were really attractive. We've done proper due diligence on those three, um, but at the end we, we developed a, a deal structure and we have been able to execute on a deal in relation to the one that we actually picked up, the Midkind portfolio. And partially, it, it just ticked all the boxes. It was the right size, the right stage, multiple opportunities. Um, we had some basic criteria. Obviously, we had to be able to afford it, and we didn't have too much money. It had to be uh, something that the shareholders could have multiple benefit of. It can't be just a single product in a single area. And then also, it had to be really good science. So, you know, when we, I saw this portfolio, what struck me is that there was a tremendous amount of, of research, really thoroughly well done by Japanese scientists, which was the subject of about 100 patents, multiple ability to deliver value to shareholders. So all these things were very attractive. But it was a very early stage program, so I knew that it's going to take several years to develop it. 
I know that you are also um, focused on uh, helping to mentor other women and support other women in business. Why is that important to you? So um, I think um, I could not have been where I or got to where I got to without the help of people, men and women. And in fact, I always credit my um, little achievements, as they said, um, to the people that I've met. And I feel it comes naturally to me to share what I know to be with people in any event. I also think it's important I've got an 18-year-old and I want her to have even better opportunities. I want to, her to see the world in a different way. And for that, we need to change certain, certain things. And you won't change them just by sitting around and not doing anything. So I'd like to participate in, um, in events and in campaigns, in social change campaigns, where you can see that you're making a difference and the world potentially be a better place. And when I think about social campaign things like the CEO sleep ad, where we raise money for the homeless or, you know, uh, running in, uh, in for cure cancer or doing step timber for the, um, um, Cerebral Palsy Association. I mean, these are things that I th comes to me naturally, and these are the things that we can all participate in. You don't have to have a position. And of course, mentoring is just one of those things, and I do that naturally within my organization with the women who come through there, and men, by the way. But also, um, I think if there is a formal opportunity, I do so. So this is why I present at, at conferences and meetings of your young, young women. I do a presentation on, um, you know, overcoming um, difficult uh, career situations, resilience in your career. And I think these are things that, with my experience of 25 plus years in the industry, I can just hand it over without effort. And hopefully it makes a, 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 a world a better place. How have you seen, I guess, attitudes evolve, or maybe not, as the case may be, um, over your time in the industry? So I think it's, it's, it's stunningly different to when it was 25 years ago. Firstly, the reason I got headhunted from Perth to Sydney is because there were so few of us, both biologically and, and business-wise trained. Today, you've got a plethora of individuals who are out there looking for jobs because they understand that their scientific training is great, set them up really well, but the business training rounds up their knowledge base that is required for industry. So the, the world has changed, become much more competitive. There's so many good people out there. Um, in terms of um, how women's role in the industry changed, I think it's a little bit up and down. There was a period that we had a lot more CEOs, female CEOs in our industry, in the biotechnology life sciences area. I think we don't have that many now, but I don't think that there is a, a, um, a systemic problem around that, if, if, if you like. I think, you know, people are more and more accepting of, of female CEOs. Uh, you will still see less ASX listed company CEOs that are women, and I really don't know why that is. And there is no reason for it. There is no rational reason because we've got all these scientists coming through the rank, female scientists. We've got about equivalent or even more female scientists than doctors, and they just don't end up at the top. So that's still an issue, and I, I think that still needs to be addressed. But overall, the industry, I think people understand that, you know, women have a very strong and significant role. What are the goals for Selmid over the next 6 to 12 months? What's on the agenda for the company? So uh, we want to be really successful in what we do. And we do really two things. We develop drugs 
for pretty serious diseases. So we want to advance our programs. So not so much in the next 12 months, but certainly within the next 18 months, we get much closer to the clinic and we can start testing our drugs in clinical environment, which ultimately that's the test for a drug. In our consumer business, we want to be very successful in the US and China. We have now set up distribution networks or channels in those countries, and we just want to start selling products into it. And we want to see our revenue grow and ultimately become profitable. And how do you balance, actually, you know, you mentioned before that, you know, on, on the one hand, you have the consumer side of the business, and then you have the one where you're going through, you know, medical trials. How do you as a company balance that? And you know, not the priorities, but yeah, how does it work? The way I look at any company is uh, risk and return, and in fact, any investment. And when you look at our company, we've got multiple assets it, at various stages of the risk return cycle. We've got high risk biotechnology assets that we've, I've got a dedicated team working on that. They, you know, I don't have the same team working on the two programs, but they are really real experts at what they're doing. And, but it's a really high risk, potentially really high return asset. And then as you move down the chain, we've got lower risk assets, which are, you know, our consumer products still in development. They haven't been on the market yet, but, but they've got a really strong chance of hitting the market. But whether they're success, successful on the market or not, we don't know. And then you've got our least risky assets, which are already generating revenue. Now, not that the returns are not decent, they are not good, but they're much more predictable. So I, I see Selmid as a company which is very, very rare in the sector and that is, has, uh, provides the opportunity for investors to really look at the spectrum of high risk, high return to lower risk, lower return kind of uh, investments within the same company. That's it for this episode of the Glass Ceiling Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. If you like it, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you found this podcast. If you have any comments or thoughts, um, shoot me an email at editor at startupdaily.net and I'll see you next time. Bye.